Welcome back to the Scribes Journal for part number two of our ruining Sesame Street for everyone. I am your host, the Scribe of Worlds, and I am joined by none other than the Violet Author. It was a dark and stormy evening. Me and my brothers sat across each other's screens and stared into the void together, looking at the blank page before us and wondering what kind of creation, amalgamation, horrific thing we would create on this here day. Amazing. Absolutely Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, future scribe editor should put in a little clapping, rounding, uh, rousing thing of some- Yay! Yay! Woo! Yay! Encore! No, no, no. Thank you, thank you. No, no. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. That was a beautiful introduction. Far better than mine. Let's just jump back in. I think, I think, you know, on the vein of chaos and inanity, I don't think we should recap last episode. I think we should Mm -hmm. just dive- right in head first and if you guys haven't listened to last episode congratulations you're about to get thrown for a good time that's... big bird is dead oh yeah that's all you need that's to know. the that's the only thing that you really need to know big bird is dead and yes it's that one and no you don't know why unless you went back and listened to the last episode and then you'd know why and you could you could just pause this go back and listen to the other one and then come mm-hmm. back here it's it's very simple. I promise you will get it's it's still us. It's still us. We're just younger. Technically, <laughs> you're time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going back. Do we want to just dive right into plot analysis and put all the plot points together? Yep. I swan dived. Nice dive. Swan dive. Great. All right, let's jump into it. So, we've already started our beginning, uh and that is the introduction to Grover, our gritty noir detective. Uh, smoking a cigar and staring over the street, formerly known as Sesame Street, but they dropped the Sesame part. It's just street. During his monologue, he ends it with uh, the dame crossing the threshold, which is Rosita. Uh, Rosita has come because her friend Zoe has just been arrested in the murder of Big Bird. But Rosita knows that Zoe didn't do it, and she is out to prove her best friend's innocence. And yeah, so that's where we pick up. Where do we want to have Grover start? So thinking through it the past couple days, I love Count Von Gaunt, Count Von Count's story, but I feel like the only way that it could fit is if this is the first people place that we go solely due to Grover's mm. own bias of like, well, everyone knows, no one knows, the biggest scoop in this town it's what I've been working on, and I told Big Bird to go look here, so it must be here. And I feel like during that time, near the end of that, we can have Compound Count be like, uh, the only reason that he came here was because of you. His focus was elsewhere on this other big scoop. You should go talk to this so-and-so. He knows everything that goes on here. And then they'll go and talk to Oscar. Cookie Monster. Not Cookie the, Monster. Yeah. Um, Oscar the Grouch. But I think the first place that they should look should be wrong and just solely based off of Grover's bias. Otherwise, I can't find any other way to fit Count right. Von Count's story. I like that. Can we just call him CVC? I have big dyslexia and stuttering issues, and saying Count Von Count is, like, ifing me up. So I'd like to call him CVC from now on out, or just The Count if we I could. I want to call him CVS, uh, you know, in homage to... CVS! His new name is is that. It's, it's like... It's like... Well, it's like Charles Wilhelm 
Stewart or something like that. I don't know. Wait, what if it's Charles Vaughn Stewart? He just kept the Vaughn. Like he slipped up and was like, Charles Vaughn Stewart, I mean, Charles Vin Stewart. And then everyone just kept calling him Charles Vaughn Stewart. Nice. So Grover heads over to, I I think, you know, Gritty Noor. The first place he goes is to the gravestone. And he like has this conversation with the Count. You know, he's like, I know, I know you're not down there. And I'm going to find this out. And I'm going to drag your dead body or whatever it is back up from the grave and put it on display for everyone to see. Uh, and I don't know how we're going to get there into unmasking CVS as being the Count, but that's... Well, don't forget, we've got Rosita. True. Rosita speaks Spanish. What if there's another groundskeeper person there that's been working there that mentioned something like, yeah, some of the rooms are locked, just in Spanish, like talking about some of the rooms are locked, but like... The only person that has those keys are him. When he got here, he got more keys than we did. And we don't really understand why. Oh, sure, sure. So, like, maybe the Rosita overhears them. Like, taps Grover on the shoulder from where he's standing, you know, staring at this grave. And it's like, maybe we should ask the, you know, the top boss man. And then I think I'm leaning towards the Count just straight up coming clean. Oh, you got me. What if they find, what if they catch him in the act? What if they like catch him like in the act of, he's like literally, he's like the old organ room was like locked up. I don't know if you know this, but Count Vaughn Count, he's got an organ room where he like plays his organ. And like, what if that was locked up and they kept hearing music at night? Very fan of the opera-esque. And so they kind of break in there and he's like counting his money when they come in. He's like, ah, you got me. It is I, Count Von Count. Curse you, Grover. I knew you would always find my secret. Or maybe Grover is like completely clueless. Like they walk in and he's counting money or like counting all of the keys to make sure that there's still 88 on the one keyboard. Oh, he's he's counting the keys. And Grover's like, oh, there's no one here besides that old cleaner. And Rosita's like, wait a second, he's counting. And the count is just like, oh, no, you have captured me. Grover, you've unmasked me just as I knew you always would. Like, and Grover is just like, oh, yeah, I I, I guess I did. Um, is that a funny thing? I think so. I can't picture it as well as you can. I definitely think that. If we, if we have, because part of me is thinking it might be funny if, like, we never actually have Grover figure it out. We get the audience to the point where they are so fully aware of this. And maybe even Rosita is like, don't you think it might be him? But Grover's like, no, 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 this is impossible. But he refuses because otherwise we're going to have to have him have an identity crisis of, I've been looking for so long for the answer. And I feel like that's necessary for this plot. Or maybe, like, at the end, that's, like, the very, very end, is, like, Count Von Count being, like, and you discovered me along the way. And Grover's, like, what are you talking about, CDS? Go back to the garden. Oh, it's me, the Count. That's a weird cosplay. Go back. He's, he's like, he can't believe it's so simple. That's what it is. Everyone else in the town is just, like, it's, it's him, and this is how he wants it. It's fine. But Grover cannot let it go that it's that simple. He keeps overcompensating. Everyone in this town, the minute that they met him, was like, <laughs> "That's the count." <laughs> is that you, Count? My name is Charles. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. But then Grover's like, "I refuse to believe it," and everyone's like, "You're the detective." I love it. It's humorous. It's a little bit of brevity to kind of even out the darkness and remind us this is Sesame Street. It's a running, continuous joke that we can make over and over again. 
Perfect. And we introduce it right in the beginning, so this is great. I think CVS is also kind of over the whole, like, Grover doesn't believe this thing. And so he's just like, well, maybe if you go over and talk to Oscar the Grouch, he can tell you what's up. And so that that sends them to the, to the next direction. So Big Bird, just because Grover's been bothering Big Bird so much, shows up and is like, listen, like, has like a heart-to-heart with CVS and is like, you gotta tell Grover. It's getting really annoying. But in Grover's mind, he's like, Big Bird came here and investigated... But while having that conversation with CVS, Big Bird's like, I gotta get back to my big scoop. I interview Oscar the Grouch in yeah. an hour. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, so what's the what's the point of this scene? Because we don't want to get them to just go to Oscar the Grouch, hear them say the line, and then get to the next part. Is there some kind of history between the Grouch and Grover? Or the Grouch and Rosita? Is there... Okay, so... I do want to say that canonically, Oscar the Grouch does have a girlfriend. Um, I don't remember her name, but there is a canon. Oh my gosh, Oscar's got a girlfriend. I'm I'm looking. I, I'm looking I saw it. Right now. it. He has a pet. Yep, Grunge Grungetta. Grungetta. Okay, yeah. Her name's Grungetta. That's a terrible name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if I don't know if that plays into anything. But my point with that was I don't think it's anything between Rosita and the Grouch. No, yeah, I wasn't thinking that. I was just like, I didn't know if, like, she had a, like, she just knew him somehow or had, like, some kind of background with him. So maybe a lot of, like, crime bosses stay in power by not technically doing anything or not being tied to anything illegal, even if they have done stuff illegal, right? Um, And so maybe there was something that, that the Grouch was about to get away with. But Grover was able to put a possible connection to him. I can't, I don't know what, I don't know what, but Grover came and said, look, you're about to do this thing. But if you do that, I'm going to go to the authorities and give them this evidence that I have that ties you. Um, and like, you know, I've set up a, a dead man switch. So if you kill me, it's going to be leaked anyway and your reputation will be ruined kind of thing. Maybe there's something. What about, let's learn a little bit more about Rosita. Sure. I don't see what her personality trait is. Does she like, does she bake? Does she cook? Does she like do art? She's good. She plays guitar. She's five years old. Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> uh, so it says that she plays guitar. So maybe he knows that she won a guitar competition because she like bribed the judges. Oh, okay. Like the Grouch knows that or? Yeah, maybe the Grouch knows that. Like I know who pays off people in this place. Rosita. Okay, I could go with that. I was saying trying to pay me off. I was saying that Grover knew something about the Grouch. Oh, okay. My thought is that like Grover has some kind of dirt on the Grouch that could tie him to some actually illegal, incriminating act, and he hasn't released it on the promise of something from the Grouch. And the Grouch hasn't killed him because if he kills him, then this information gets leaked. Um, But we could make the connection. From the Grouch to Rosita, if that's more interesting. No, I like I like what you're doing. I kind of like this like gritty detective being like, sometimes you gotta make deals with the devil in order to get through this city. And the devil, in this case Oscar the Grouch, being like, I respect you. I hate your guts, Grover, but I respect you. You know, because he yeah, like he see, he sees a like Muppet a who's willing to do what it takes. He's not afraid to get his hands a little trashy. We ain't afraid to get his hands dirty. Ah, trashy. He isn't afraid to dig around in the trash. Exactly, exactly. Great. So the Grouch isn't like super happy to see him. 
but also is you know accepts the meeting because there's this kind of standing threat over his head and he he does respect grover at the end of the day let's see so this is this is where do we think he straight up tells them does he tell them what big bird was reporting on or does he tell them my question is like is he up front or does he try to throw the suspicion somewhere else to kind of like mess with grover a little bit i feel like he's a real neutrality piece like he's there for what he's there for and he doesn't want to get anybody he doesn't he doesn't want to help anyone but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to get caught so i feel like he gives them something vague like he was investigating the river or the river scene sure sure or maybe maybe he says like now big bird big bird was uh he was interviewing me on the uh the promise of anonymity uh, which means I can't say too much in this scene right here, but I can tell you that if you poke your big bright orange nose down by the riverside, maybe you could come up with a little something. And that can kind of send them towards the the riverboat. And my thought it, with the riverboat is for their first encounter to be completely passed off. Like, they don't suspect Ernie and Bert in the first get-go. No, I think that they think that they're helping. I think that they, like, hire Ernie and Bert to, like, get out on the river. Oh. And, like, Ernie and Bert over here. Sure. That they're trying to solve the case. And I don't know if you want to go the direction of Ernie and Bert, like, kidnap Grover or, like, or, like think maybe we should, like, bring him to Abby and or be like, should we kill him? Or if they want to take the route of, like, no, yeah, we were your buddies. Uh, nothing was wrong here. No, everything's fine. So I'm not quite sure what to do with that aspect of it. I like I like playing it off cool, like, oh, bring them back to shore, drop them off, let them go about and do their thing. Or maybe saying, like, because here's the thing. The the biggest thing is that The Rock was actually in a Lost mm-hmm. and Found, right? But they say, like, that Lost and Found box, you know, it's open to anyone. Anyone could have gone in there and gotten that rock out. Doesn't mean that it was Zoe. But also doesn't mean it wasn't her. Or or they could be like, you know who we think we saw grab it? You know who's rooting around in there? Cookie Monster. Which could then throw suspicion to Cookie Monster, which we know is a complete Right, it's a herring. total dead end. But it would extend the story a little bit and let the reader at this moment feel like Ernie and Bert are like, oh, we can still trust them. Like, you know, they're the party scene. They're doing the riverboat thing. Maybe like, Cookie Monster didn't get invited to the riverboat party that night. And that's his bit of information is he's really upset about it. And so he's like, you like, I wasn't even there. Like everyone was there. Bert and Ernie were there. Abby was there. Everyone was there. And nobody invited Cookie Monster. Uh, he's got, like, the set list, almost. Sure. But if Grover and Rosita were there, wouldn't they remember that Cookie Monster I don't think wasn't? Grover and Rosita were on the party boat that night. Because I don't think... Maybe Rosita was. Maybe that's, like, one of the things that, like, Grover, like, questions Rosita's loyalty. Like, could it be you? Is, like, Rosita was actually on the party boat that night. And he's like, could you have been sure. the one who took it? But Rosita was like, listen, dude, I'm gonna be real with you. I... I didn't like the scene. I was just there with Zoe trying to, like, get her to leave. Um, But, like, it's that moment, like, audience is questioning the wrong people kind of thing. Okay, so my clarifying question is where was Big Bird's body found? Down on the banks of the hanky panky. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. Like, was he murdered in his home? Was he out on the street? 
Maybe like a back alley. A back alley that like it's near the docks, but it's not near enough for them to be like like he was like in between the docks and home when he was killed. Sure. Okay. And so the murder took place after this big blowout party, like the same night. Was it near the end of the party? Okay. He leaves early because he's realizing there's sure. more going on. Like he he figured out about the boat party. And he is, like, getting too much information. Yeah. And Abby is, like, high and, like... Although she's drunk because we changed the pumpkin wine, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that we didn't we mention. Not mentioned that. But, yes, our our adaptation uh, of Abby's pumpkin ability, instead of doing it as fairy dust, the crack cocaine of Sesame Street, uh, we have changed it to pumpkin wine, a rather intoxicating brew... Maybe spiked with a little bit of magic dust. Yes. Yeah. It is definitely not just your typical. There's definitely something stronger in it than just your average pumpkin wine. And yeah. So. We still need to make our Titanic reference, by the way. Yes. Yes. I had a couple ideas for that. To recap for our listeners, um, we rolled Rut Row Raggy and the wheel rolled. You have to add a Titanic reference and make it obvious. So that's what we're working on right now. Yes. We don't have anyone's name good enough. Uh, we do have a Rosita. We don't have a Jack. Uh, but it would be really fun to do a I'll Never mm-hmm. Let Go moment. I think maybe Grover, like, trips and, like, almost falls off the boat. Rosita grabs him and he's like, Dad, I don't let go. And she's like, I'll let And she's like, don't let go of Rose. And, like, he, like, gets, like, a mouthful of water so it's cuts off at Rose. And she goes, like, I'll never get let go, Jack yeah, sure, Grover. Sure. <laughs> nice. I like that. Okay, so Burton Ernie mentioned that Cookie Monster had been rooting around in the Lost and Found. Uh, and so Grover is now armed with the knowledge that Zoe had left Rocky on the boat, which means that he could use that to prove Zoe's innocence. The only problem is that he hasn't figured out who the actual murderer was. And so he decides to be rough and imposing and go question Cookie Monster and see if he can force a confession. The only problem is that when they get there, Cookie Monster denies even being at the party, right? That's what you were saying? Yeah, and I think that this is when we get the reveal that Rosita also was at the party, because Cookie Monster was like, why are you asking me? Like, she would know better than I was. She was there that night. And it's like, da-da-da, Rosita, you were there that night? What were you doing on the party boat? And she was like, no, no, I promised listen to me, Grover. It wasn't me. Right, except... Accent. I don't know how to do that without being racist, so we're just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, great. So Cookie Monster shifts the blame from him onto Rosita. Uh, Rosita defends herself, and Grover's starting to put pieces together that people have been lying to him all day. Next thing that next thing I know, even CVS will be a liar. Like, and to to end his his investigator rant he like and to top it all off i bet cvs actually is that count but everyone's like yes. yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> like preposterous preposterous okay i have yeah. an idea because there's one character that we have not mentioned this entire time elmo we have not brought oh my up gosh elmo we forgot about elmo we completely forgot about elmo but here's the thing i have an idea to tie him in so Grover feels so betrayed by Rosita. He storms out. He he knows Cookie Monster is telling him the truth. You just you know with Cookie Monster, like Cookie Monster doesn't he lie. He doesn't really he have the capability to lie. Yeah, to lie. no. He pushes past Rosita 
and storms out and then goes to drown his sorrows at the local pub, Elmo's World. Over the door is a uh, signpost which reads Elmo's World with the logo of a goldfish in a fishbowl. And then inside there's like a, a goldfish on the counter. Uh, a like giant fish tank. Um, and yeah, and everyone knows that it's not the same goldfish that Elmo had when he was a child. But he he says it is. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy. everyone says, well, we made him believe that a rock Dorothy was a is um, the goldfish, by the way. Yes. So this is like probably Dorothy 100, but he still thinks it's, he still says it's the same one. Well, anyway, he goes to get a bit of, a bit of drink and a bit of advice from the uh, bartender, Elmo. Uh, and I think that that's where we kind of get that like smoky room the like detective starting to piece things together and the bartender kind of like bringing him another drink and talking things through with him. And then that can set us up to round this out for our, our big finale back on the riverboat. I like that. I think that's good. Elmo's going to have to confiscate those keys. Did they put him in the fishbowl? (laughs) (laughs) Dorothy's going to hold on to these for now. Can that be a scene at one point? Like, he's sitting at, like, the almost empty bar. He's, like, mid-conversation. All of a sudden, like, the door opens. Like, someone comes in. He's like, I need my keys back. And Elmo, like, dunks his hand in the fishbowl and pulls him out and kind of flushes him off and goes, Elmo hopes you get home safely tonight. That's amazing. I love it. Oh, oh, I pieced it together. I pieced it together. Okay. Elmo also gets pumpkin wine, but not anywhere near as much. Oh, from, and he's like. From Zoe. Uh, or not from Zoe, from Abby. Yeah, he doesn't get any from Abby. He's like, Elmo won't deal with Abby. Abby has something bad about the wine. Right, right. So, like, he, maybe he used to purchase from her or whatever, but he knows that she sells, she's the main supplier of pumpkin wine for these parties. And, and so Grover pieces together, like, oh, if they were going to shut the river down and the party boat was going to be out of service, Abby wouldn't have had any more business. And so he goes back to confront Ernie and Bert. Um, and and he remembers that now. Abby, he's like, and even Abby was there on the boat that night because Cookie Monster lists off everybody that was on the boat that night. And uh, maybe he's like, that like, it just is twice now. But now if we don't reveal that it's her yet, we just, we name, he's like, this is the second time Natalie heard Abby's name. Okay. So Grover thinks back through the day and realizes the only people who have lied to him today are Bert and Ernie. And so he you know, says, uh, thanks, bartender, like, slams his, his cup down on the table, throws a couple bills. Elmo says, that's not enough. But Grover's, like, already gone. And do you think he, I'm kind of feeling like he goes in to play it solo, but messes up and Rosita needs to come in and save him. And that's when we can get our I'll never let go, Je- I mean, mm-hmm. Grover moment. What do you think? I like that. I think that's good. Fun facts about Dorothy the goldfish. Dorothy's family is identified as such. A grandmother named Gilda, a brother named Roger, an uncle named Frank, an aunt named Hilda, and two loving parents who are not named. So how come Auntie Hilda gets a name, but dear old dad does not? Because Auntie Hilda is already a fantastic name. That's true. We should should have that be a name at some point. In episode 4632... Abby turns Sesame Street into an ocean in order to allow Dorothy to explore Sesame Street for the first time. That's 
topical, actually. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, so we're coming into our big finale. Uh, tell me what you think. So Grover comes in. He accuses Burton Ernie of lying to him and says, I know that you rifled through your own lost and found, and you are the ones who did the dastardly deed or whatever he says. Burton and Ernie kind of look at him, look at each other, look at him again, and then remember which one's the, the smarter of the two, but says, Burt. You know, there's two of us and one of him. And Grover's like, oh no. And he gets captured. So then they're like, okay, what are we going to do with him? Because we can't like let his secret out. And so they call Abby because Abby's the only one with like actual guts to do anything. So Abby comes in and she's like, if my time with Oscar, the Grouch has taught me anything, you have to get rid of little boydies like this. And so they sail out to the middle of the river to drop him over with like one of those uh, cement weights. But what they don't know is that Rosita saw kind of some kerfuffle going on and has kind of been keeping an eye on Grover because so she used her it. contacts at Count von Count's Manor and asked to borrow one of his old sailing boats. Well, I was I was just going to say that's uh, that's actually better. But I was just going to say that she snuck onto the boat. But I like your thing better. So she sails out after them and not really knowing how to sail runs right into the boat. Oh, and the boat the boat is named the Iceberg. I love it. So she sails the iceberg into the party boat. And so the party boat starts to sink. She jumps over, frees Grover. But at this point, like everything's falling apart. Grover almost falls to his, his death. She she pulls him out and they're able to like get onto a piece of wreckage and start kicking for shore. But she's mostly on the, uh, on, on the door or whatever it is. And he's very much not. Um, and as they kick their way back to safety she promises that i'll never let go jack grover i'll never let go oh my gosh i love it i love that so much yeah and so i think they get back to shore they go to the authorities with what they know uh and the actual culprits are arrested maybe who called the cops do you think that cbs like called the cops once he saw how badly rosita was driving that boat he was like I knew at the end of the day, Rosita's incredibly bad driving skills would get you all in trouble. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, he went out. He went out to open up the boat the boathouse for her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I like that. That's good. That's good. So here's here's the the ultimate question. At the end of the day, does CVS finally convince Grover that he is the Count or reveal this information? And even if he does reveal this information, does Grover believe him? I think. Both yes and no. I think what happens is they're all standing there. Grover and Rosita are under, like, the thermal blankets watching the other three get carted away. And they're standing right next to CVS. And Grover's just like, after a day like today, I believe almost anything's possible. Like, he's he's watching, you know, some of his best friends get arrested for the murder of one of his other best friends. He's like, I could believe everything's possible. I could almost believe that it would account, CVS. And... The Count is like, but I am the Count. And Grover's just like, yeah, save it for another day, CVS. And then like turns yeah, save and your jokes for the, the peanut gallery. That's good. Um, but he like walks up the street and it's supposed to be this like, you know, very nor like I'm walking back home alone. But he has this bright neon green thermal blanket wrapped around him. <laughs> I love it. So I think we need to recap for today's episode do you mm -hmm. want me to start yeah go for it 
Uh, so our Sesame Street reboot starts with an introduction to Grover, who is our gritty Nor detective. He is smoking a cigar while overlooking Sesame Street from his second floor studio apartment and office, lamenting and pondering about how things have changed. A knock on the door and Rosita enters, relaying the information that Grover already knows. Her best friend Zoe has been arrested for the murder of Big Bird, but Rosita is convinced she didn't do it. Due to his own personal investigations, Grover decides to begin this investigation at Count Von Count's mansion. Grover has his own ideas uh, into this seedy character and his even seedier demise, and at one point asked Big Bird to look a little bit deeper into the history of the manor and Count Von Count's untimely death. Emerging on the scene, Grover has a deep monologuing moment with the Count's gravestone, vowing to unveil his secret once and for all. Rosita, while awkwardly giving Grover his main character era moment, overhears a few of the Spanish-speaking groundkeepers talking about hearing music from the mansion late at night in the locked organ room. Excited to finally have a lead on the case, Grover breaks into the organ room, but all they find is the simple groundskeeper, Charles Von Stewart, cleaning and counting the keys of the keyboard. Grover says that he can't believe they let Charles Von Stewart, aka CVS, wander around like this. Rosita mentions that maybe it's because he's really been the count all along, but Grover insists that that answer is much too simple. CVS lets out a huge sigh and suggests that they go talk to Oscar the Grouch, who Big Bird mentioned that he was going to interview a few days before he was murdered. Grover decides to follow these words of wisdom and requests an audience with the Grouch. He brings a nervous Rosita along as her companionship is proving to be in blue... V what was that? In blue-leable. <laughs> in... invaluable. Oh, you're gonna uh, cut my joke. Pardon the pun, that didn't work. Get it? Because they're both blue. <laughs> it's okay, you can laugh. Anyways. Yay, thank you. The Grouch isn't happy to be taking meetings on Trash Collection Day, and he's got a love-hate relationship with Grover. It's not the first time Grover has dug around in the trash for information on his investigations. Grover references a piece of blackmail that he has and convinces Oscar to talk. Oscar states that Big Bird was interviewing him anonymously, so he can't go into too many details, but it was about the river, and he was banking on Oscar to have an overflowing amount of information in order to fish out the truth. Rosita mentions that Bert and Ernie have a river boat tour and might be able to take them out so they can see what Big Bird was observing. Grover agrees. Bert and Ernie greet Grover and Rosita out on the banks and invite them to come onto the riverboat to investigate. They mention that they remember Rocky, the murder weapon that ties Zoe to the case, had been put into their lost and found after their riverboat party the night prior. They mention that the lost and found is open to the public and say that they thought they saw a cookie monster had been rooting around in it. Grover rushes to Cookie Monster's house and interrogates Cookie Monster to learn more information. Cookie Monster admits that he was very upset to not be invited, and lists off all of the guests that were invited, Abby included. Cookie Monster shifts the blame to Rosita, and mentions that she was present at the boat party the night of the murder, and that he doesn't think that Grover should be trusting him. Rosita claims that she was only there to help Zoe get home safely, and left when it started to get wild, but Grover, feeling upset and betrayed, leaves to Elmo's world, the local pub. 
Within Elmo's world, the bartender, Elmo, and Grover begin to piece the day together. Elmo offers emotional support and a listening ear before adding some helpful advice of his own. Elmo says that while he supports local, he won't get any pumpkin wine from Abby, and she only sells it to the party boat. Plus, though this is not said, she's kind of a psycho. Grover realizes that Bert and Ernie were the only ones who had lied to him, except possibly for the Count, and runs back to confront them. During this scene, a hungover Muppet enters the bar and bashfully asks for his keys back. Elmo dunks his hand into the fish tank on the counter, pulls out the set of keys. Dorothy looked after these for you. Elmo hopes you get home safe. The Muppet looks disgusted. Grover goes gung-ho and runs to Ernie and Bert's riverboat to confront them about his belief that they were involved in the murder. Ernie and Bert quickly realize that they can overpower Grover, so they take him hostage. They also realize that they don't know what to do with the hostage, so they call Abby to come help. Abby comes onto the riverboat, and the three go out onto the river, saying that they're gonna drop the little boydy to go swim with the fishes. But Rosita, having a little bit of a gut feeling, had decided to follow in one of Count Von Count's old sailing boats, the Iceberg. She actually does not know how to sail very well, and ends up crashing into the boat, putting a hole in the side of Bert and Ernie's riverboat. As it's sinking, she rescues Grover, but not before he almost falls to his death. As they cling to a piece of wreckage and kick for shore, Rosita promises, I'll never let go, Jack I could gro Grover! They get to shore, and CVS has already called the cops, because he assumed Rosita was going to get hurt while driving that boat. The cops arrive, hear Grover out, arrest Abby, Burton, Ernie, and the day is saved. As the bad guys are carted away, we have a scene of Rosita and Grover under thermal blankets, standing next to CVS. As a joke, Grover states, If everyone's lying to me, then CVS might as well be Count Von Count. And CVS says, Yes, I am. Grover, not believing him, says, Save it for the peanut gallery, and walks away, in what might have been a stoic end scene, but is slightly ruined by the bright green thermal blanket hugging onto his shoulders. Okay, there we go. What do you think? I love that. And it would be a great time, a great thing for the owners, whoever they may be, of Sesame Street to, you know, uh, take a hold of this and create a movie that I would spend probably too much money to watch. Yes, same. Big, big old, big old same. Especially a, like a... Not quite black and white, but like muted colors, uh, yeah, film yeah, yeah, editing, yeah, yeah. grainy. Like any time that Grover has an internal monologue, it gets like really like dark and like jazz music plays, and then it kind of snaps back and everyone's normal. Um, love it. I love this so much. I am so glad we did this, and I I don't want to be done with it quite yet. In fact, I think I think maybe that you and I are gonna write about it now. Yes, I think that's a great idea. So hang tight and enjoy these keys clicking. Okay, we have finished writing. It took us about, an, I would say an hour, maybe an hour of writing. Just about, maybe a little bit under. Yeah, this is, let's just, for the viewers at home who might be interested, this section that we wrote in roughly an hour between the two of us, roughly 1,100 and thirds. That's, and also it's, it's, it's a good couple of pages. Yeah. So, you know, between, between the two of us writing for an hour, that's including the editing too. That's, that's around uh, 550 words for both of us. 
uh, all yeah. of you math people out there can figure out the exact number that we wrote if you split it between the two of us. But yeah, for those of you who are working on your 400 February challenge, there you go. There's there is a number and an amount of time. And yeah, not which bad, also reminds me that I have to write 400 words today. So. Right. so if you're like me and you also have to write 400, don't forget you can do it anywhere. It doesn't just have to be anyway. Okay, let's see. This is going to be fun. Some classy jazz in the background. Future editor scribe would be ideal. I'll see what I can do. I believe in you. Thanks. Okay. Here goes. This is the scene in which Grover goes to visit Elmo's world. Grover set himself down on the bar stool, slipping the fedora off his head with a grimace. Give it to me like I like my clues, he said. Straight. The red-furred bartender looked up from where he was shining glasses. Elmo wonders if that's the best choice so early in the evening. How about a club soda? Grover grimaced again. Trying to cut me off before I even start? I thought we were friends, Mo. Elmo squeaked out a chuckle. Elmo looks out for his friends, especially when they're so down in the dumps. Elmo thinks Grover has something on his mind? With a shake of his fuzzy blue head, Grover couldn't help but chuckle. Something like that. Let's compromise. I give you the scoop, you give me one on the house. With friends like you, Elmo's gonna go out of business, Elmo scowled. But regardless, he reached under the bar and pulled up a tumbler. You tell it to Elmo straight, and Elmo will give it to you straight. Until then, it's cheap drinks for you. Grover accepted the bubbly water with a sigh. Yes, you could say I'm down in the dumps, Mo. The dumps of the trash heap that makes up the Grouch's criminal empire. I know it reeks, but every time I open up the garbage can, there's nothing there. Impossible, I tell you. Elmo made a sympathetic noise, wiping at a spot on the bar. Elmo knows the grouch. He may smell like three-day-old seafood, but that's the only fishy thing about it. If the grouch told you something, Elmo thinks you should trust it. But that's just it, Grover said, swirling the contents of his cup as if it were more than just carbonation. I did trust him. I went down to the river, just like he told me. And what did you find? A fat lot of nothing. A rock that could have been stolen by anybody. A rock head who couldn't have stolen it. A rocky alibi. A boat with a rock in good time. A friendship on the rocks. Elmo considered. Sounds like a fat lot of rocks. Grover sighed and took a sip of his drink. There's something that doesn't add up here, Mo. Something's right past the rocks in my brain. I just can't see. What's the rock that's tripping you up? Elmo asked. Grover held up a hand. Look. I appreciate you trying to get into the mindset of a great detective, but the rock jokes are for me to make, okay? Elmo raised both mitts in surrender. Elmo wasn't trying to rock the boat. Grover threw him a glare, but couldn't stay mad at his favorite bartender for long. He threw the rest of his drink back, putting the near-empty cup in front of him. It's something to do with that party boat. Bert and Ernie, Dirty, the local business owners, important members of the structure of our town. They wouldn't do anything that might make them lose that, would they? Elmo shrugged. Big Bird didn't seem to think so. He was even taking a break from his big case so they could go on their next nighttime cruise. Now Elmo thought he could use it with how hard he's been working. Wait, Big Bird told you about the case? Grover shifted forward, arms folded on the bar top as he listened eagerly. Taking the empty glass from in front of Grover, Elmo chuckled. Well, Elmo heard more than most. He spent all his late nights at the corner table, drinking a gin and tonic as he typed on that old typewriter. He'd get ink all over the table, and he'd talk about the case while he wiped it up. His beak always got a bit looser after dark and a few drinks. Elmo, 
I'll need to know what he was working on. That story could be the reason Big Bird was murdered. Elmo shook his head. No way. Elmo thought it was a big dozer. It was all about statistics and graphs. Elmo barely passed the first grade. Elmo doesn't know anything about percentages. As Grover opened his mouth to press further, the jingling of overhead bells echoed from the front door. Both occupants of the bar turned to face the new arrival. A haggard-looking brown dog shuffled into the bar, wincing at the fluorescent lights overhead. Hey there, Mr. Elmo. Did I leave my keys here last night? I can't remember. It's all fluffy. Elmo sauntered over to the fishbowl on the edge of the long counter and dunked his fuzzy hand inside. Oh yeah! Don't worry, Dorothy kept an eye on them for you. He reached around the bottom of the murky bowl and pulled out a soggy set of keys. Here you go, mister! Elmo doesn't let his friends drink and drive! The dog barely caught them as Elmo tossed the dripping set his way. Ah! Thanks, Elmo! And Dorothy. Awkwardly. He shuffled through the door. The interruption had been enough to remind Elmo to check the clock. It's almost dinner time. Elmo has to open real soon. Before you do, Grover said, acknowledging a feeling in his gut that he was fairly certain wasn't the carbonated water. Do you have any of that pumpkin wine that Bert and Ernie have? They were out. Elmo recoiled, his normally cheery face turning unpleasant and angry. Elmo does not serve that here. Grover raised a hand. Hey, calm down, Mo. I was just asking. The bartender was a shaking, thin rail of red fury. Elmo is not the best bartender. Elmo is not the brightest. But even Elmo knows how proper wine is made, and whatever it is that comes out of Abby's wand is not proper wine. Reaching for his side pocket, Grover found his notebook. Ah, so it hadn't been the carbonation. He pulled a pencil out of the spiral at the top and scratched a quick note. What was Big Bird working on? Elmo shook his head. Elmo would remember a breaking story about the wine, and if he was worried about it, Big Bird wouldn't have gone on the cruise. Elmo thinks it had something to do with the river. Interesting, Grover said, making another note. So, you don't buy any of her wine? He asked again. Never, Elmo said, pretending to spit into Dorothy's fish tank. Elmo really should open up for dinner. Thank you for coming in and talking. Once you figure out the case... Elmo owes you a drink for the story. Rover sat for a moment, staring at his notebook. The words swirled like the grunge in the fish tank, then clarified. He knew what he had to do. And there we go. So ignore the character voices and just enjoy the story, because that's the important part. Yeah, are you sure? I feel like that's exactly what Grover would sound like. A Grover for sure. I'm more criticizing my Elmo take. Uh, okay. Well, there is an actual uh, outro for you guys to listen to without any funny, silly, stupid voices. Mm-hmm. You all enjoy that one. And in the meantime, uh, Violet and I are going to slowly slip slip into mania. Oh, we're not already there? We did it. Wow. That's the long. I think that's the we longest story we've written, considering we had to add two sections and is. filled them entirely. That was good, though. That was a lot of fun. So, that is The Street, um, <laughs> our proposed reboot to Sesame Street. Yes. So, I don't know who makes Sesame Street, but whoever that is, uh, look us up and do this because we think it'd be really fun. I can I can look it up, but that's a lot of work. Uh, Sesame Street, 
Look it up yourselves if you really want to know, audience. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. If you really want to know and tell them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this was, this was, this was a nice, uh, this was refreshing, I think is the word I would say. Yeah. I felt, I felt truly creatively inspired through this. I feel like this is the first time in a while that I've had as much input as I have. Because I feel like normally it's like, I, I feel like sometimes I struggle to come up with the ideas, but this time I was like, boom, 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 let's go from the beginning. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with that. This was great. This was great. Um, yeah, we are still currently in our 400 February challenge yeah uh, and it's only the second day so you can still jump in what we are doing is during the month of february we are challenging ourselves and you to write 400 words minimum a day mm-hmm. uh, and i wanted to throw this out there don't worry if you aren't a uh you know a hobby novelist don't feel like you can't join in for people who are doing stuff like journaling taking time to write 400 words of maybe a little bit more in depth of what you're thinking about. For people who are doing Bible studies, take a moment and write 400 words about the thing that you're reading. You know, people who are currently in classes, write 400 words of notes. That's a lot of notes, but if you write 100 words in from one and 100 words from another and 200 from another, that's 400. Mm-hmm. And also, one more thing uh, as a little hint for anyone who's trying to do the 400 in February challenge, don't worry about sitting down and writing 400 words all at once like you're allowed to write 50 before you go to work 100 uh, on your lunch break break. yeah yeah space it out during the day because that's going to make this so much more enjoyable for you to find a pocket of time and write just a little bit if you want to see how we are doing because we were recording this before february so if you want to see how we are doing on our challenge check us out on instagram at Scribe of Worlds for myself and at The Violet Author for The Violet Author. Yes, yes, yes. You can also check me out on Facebook or on my website, scribeofworlds.com. And if you're looking for some prompts, uh, some things to kind of get you started on what to write for 400, let me know. Let us know. And uh, we can probably come up with something. If you're looking for fiction, nonfiction, philosophy, fantasy, you name it, we probably have it. You know what, that might just be an episode of this upcoming month, but who knows? We haven't gotten there yet. For us, it's still the 20th of January. (laughs) This is true. Yeah. If you have any suggestions on what you would like to hear, podcast subjects, whether that be story ideas, character ideas, or just like, hey, I've thought about this thing and how it relates to writing. Can you guys talk about it? Let us know. And again, we have such low interaction that we will take it. Take anything. Yeah, we cannot afford to be picky. Yeah, it's true. We can't afford anything. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, Thanks, everyone, for coming along. And we will see you next week uh, for an episode that is sure to be unforgettable, uh, maybe. (laughs) But until then, stay safe on the street and wander well. Goodbye.